Welcome to the Shark Pod, the podcast that explores business and lifestyle design in Ireland and beyond. And now, live from Greystone Studios, here are your hosts, Luke Curry and Mark Baker. What is up, Shark Nation? Welcome to another episode of the Shark Pod coming to you, not from Greystone Studios, coming coming to you from the sunny southeast. I'm in Wexford on a staycation. Um, the the weather's been a mixed bag. Mark Baker up there in, in uh, Glenagiri. How you getting on, Mark? Good, good. It was it was torrential rain earlier on, actually, and now it's sunny again. So uh, who knows what to wear these days? Who knows what to wear these days? Uh, we've got a, a really, uh, really great guest here, Andy Mack. How's it going, Andy? Right, lads, how you doing, Luke? Mark, lovely to meet you. Lovely to meet Great, you thanks. as well. Thank you very much for joining us on the Shark Pod um, this evening. Uh, we're going to have a chat about your business. Really, really interesting, especially from a Mark point of view. Uh, he's in the recruitment space as well. Um, you're the CEO of uh, Mac and Group. Um, and usually when we have people on the podcast, we might uh, ask them, if for people who have never heard of you, never heard of the business, how would you kind of pitch the business or how would you uh, kind of describe the business uh, to the listeners? I suppose well, the Mackin Group is two two um, businesses within, within the group. Obviously, uh, the the founding company was the Environmental Health Safety Business Mackin Consultancy. It was founded back in two thousand and four, which just looks after everything compliance within the health and safety realm. Realm and uh, then Mackin Talent founded in twenty fourteen out of the US and has gone global since. Um, and that's full scale recruitment. So from executive sales right down to contractor, we're very big on the contractor side. But yeah, we do do everything in between. Okay. And before this, uh, I read a little bit about your background. You were in the Navy for a long time. 21 years. 21 years. And then afterwards... Tucked the, pen- tuck the pension in Randall. <laughs> right. <laughs> so you're down there, I guess, in uh, in Cork, <clears throat> out of Cove. In the Hall of Wallen, yeah. Yeah. Um, lovely part of the world there. We went there last uh, summer for our kind of staycation and uh, absolutely gorgeous. Spike Island, underrated, I think, uh, as a, a tourist yes, yeah, destination. Yeah. But um, so what what made you... So you're in the in the Navy and then you go straight into the, the kind of... Uh, the the business straight after that, or was there a gap where you went into industry, figured out that there was a gap there? What was the story there? It's just an interesting. No, um, I, I actually I actually set the business up while I was in still serving in the navy. Um, I always had planned just to, to do my twenty one years. Um, because I kind of felt that was probably at thirty nine going on forty. It was a good time to to delve into another career. And the, the problem with a lot of those um. We say public service, public sector jobs is like if you stay too long, you get institutionalized the, the, the way and culture of, a, of an environment like that for, for long periods. And it's very hard to change. Uh, so I just get, look, I'll do my 21. Um, so probably around 2000, I was kind of thinking, what else could I do? I was an electrician by trade. I'd serve my time in the Navy. Anyway, so um, I didn't really particularly fancy going into sites and stuff like that. So I said, look, there has to be something else. And I was involved with PD4, which would be the representative association for the Defence Forces at the time when I was Assistant National Health and Safety Officer. So you had guys ringing up looking for information or just a bit of advice on stuff that was being done in the aerodrome or a barracks or, or, or a ship. Um, and I, I had no qualification. I mean, I could go and find the information and give and give the information very, very, very well, but I didn't understand really what I was passing on. So I kind of said, you know, if I'm going to be doing this, I should really have some kind of a qualification. So I went off and did a certificate in... Um, health and safety really like that then i said i'd go back and do the diploma by night and did that and then i said actually this is maybe something that i'd like to do uh, as as a, an offering when i left um so i set it up in 2004 and and by the time 2006 november 2006 came around probably had you know five six maybe seven clients that we were dealing with regularly and another probably 
five, six, seven clients, maybe up, even up to 10 clients that were popping in and out for different bits and pieces. So I just said to my wife, Mary, and I said, look, I'm going to give this a shot um, and see where it takes us. We had the, had the pension, so I, like, I knew the, the mortgage was almost covered, so it wasn't, we had that kind of right. worry of if everything went, excuse my French, tits up in the morning, that yeah. we had to say we weren't going to be on the street. So, um, but I was still a worry and I was still nervous about the whole thing, but uh, yeah, it, it, I haven't looked back really. Absolutely. And so that the the health and sa- safety would that, would that be kind of like a would would companies be coming to you and trying to figure out kind of where they're um, uh, where they're vulnerable from a health and safety point of view? Uh, yeah. What's the what's the kind of service that you'd be providing there? So training? <clears throat> well, yeah. Well, yeah. We we do the whole gambit, really, uh, Luke. So uh, primarily, it'd be looking at their safety statement, which is the, the legal document that they have to make sure that their businesses is compliant to all the legislation that's out there around health and safety, and also that you're taking care of your staff. Um, and that it's a safe working environment for for those guys to to be working in um, in whatever sector they're in, um, and then on the training side, everything from first aid, manual handling, safe pass, working at height, you name it, we do it. And and, and we also do a lot of bespoke um, designing of trainings for if a client comes to us looking for a particular safety message or a particular safety message on a product or a system or a piece of equipment, we can design that piece of training and then deliver it for them. Um, so it's it's. It, like compliance really it's like just making sure that everything is 100 percent, so that business owners can go home at night and sleep not worrying about having to be in a dock two years later saying i, I didn't know your honor yeah. <laughs> so. cool so at that at that stage so you, you start getting the uh the ball rolling and one of the things that i when i was doing a little bit of research uh, on the the business before the podcast i noticed that the business seems to be one of the most international businesses for the the I guess the the size the the headcount I'm not sure what, exactly what that is but it it seems like you guys really are going global on your website it's, I see that you guys have exposure in the Far East in the US and all that those places was that some like a, a conscious decision at the beginning of the business where you're like Ireland you know it's bigger than Cove it's uh you know what was the oh I like? could give you a lovely big philosophical answer and I said yeah the world is my oyster and I had everything mapped out. No, is the honest answer. <laughs> At that time, it was just, listen, I'm going to go out. I remember saying it to my wife and she reminds me regularly. Actually, she only reminded me again on Monday night. I said, look, if I do this for two or three days a week, the pension will look after the mortgage. I'll make a few quid and I'll look, I'll be around a couple of days a week then to give your mum your mom a hand, mine and the boys, so she'd take the pressure of her. Um, and that'd be a nice little kind of way to go along. And she keeps saying to me, whatever happened to that two or three day gig you were talking about? <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's look, it's like anything else, Luke uh, and Mark. You just, you take opportunities when they when they arise. Um, did I think we'd be where we are when I started off in 2006 or 2004? Um, absolutely not. Uh, I mean, it's just the, the health and safety part of the business kind of just, we just tipped along nicely, kind of added a couple of clients every year. Uh, and it's that like consistent effort and compound effect that you have you know you just build up over time and when you look back 10 or 15 years later you go holy crap i'm building something here um but yeah never, never in my wildest dreams that i think we'd be where we are doing what we're doing and, uh, andy you, you mentioned kind of hard work consistency kind of compounding a lot of companies do that but there must have been some stage or some trigger point that actually got you you know a good bit further down the road was there was there any particular thing that kind of gave it a bit of a kickstart or anything um well no, no yes and no i i mean like just like, i'm a firm believer in, in hard work creates opportunities 
um, and you can you can line up opportunities to look. Uh, Jack Nicholas always said the, the the harder I work, the luckier I got. Um, so I mean, w- w- my my big break, I suppose, within the health safety side of the business was in two thousand and nine. Um, I was working with a company in Cork. They had introduced me to um, a project. They had asked me the, the price of project for them here in Cork. Um, and we got the gig and the operations manager for that company was a dub- based in Dublin, uh, ex-army guy actually. So we, we kind of hit it off really, really well. And um, we were probably working away for probably seven or eight months, finished that project in another couple of small projects and just it's like anything else, building the relationship and you know, like building that rapport. Um, and he rang me up then one Sunday evening in October. Um, and <laughs> nobody rings you on a Sunday evening in October. It's only ever bad news. And he literally opened up, Andy Hurdings, the man Dominic Hurdings. He goes, Good news or bad news first? And I went, Oh, for God's sake. <laughs> so uh, I said, well, Give me the bad news first. He said, Look, I'm leaving. I'm leaving uh, in the next couple of weeks. He said, But I've just landed the um, the EMEA uh, security and safety uh, role for a huge multinational out of the US. You want to come and do a bit of stuff for me? And I said, absolutely. Nice. He said, can you be there Monday morning? I said, no, I've got a client meetings, but I can be there Tuesday morning. Um, and I went up, meet him, met him, and we ended up auditing the, the site from the front door to the back door. Went back to him and said, look, this is the list of work that has to be done. Um, brilliant. He said, look, um, how much is that going to take? I think it was about five grand at the time that was covering all the documents, all the training, managing the whole thing. He came back and said, look, there's a PO for, for 12 grand. Let's get let's get this stuff done so we did that he was really impressed with it and then um, he just said look can you go to belgium and then can you go to germany and then can you go to france and within three years i was auditing all the global sites so i went from like wow. twelve thousand to ninety thousand in about two and a half years and then obviously then i had to get another consultant because i was kind of getting roped in nearly managing that project by myself and then my other clients were weren't in service so back to your point mark i suppose it's like anything else but like i was doing the hard grind to create that opportunity um, and I just, I, and I've thought about it even more over the last kind of four or five years. The busier we've got, we've got, um, it really does come down to, to to just working hard and just keep being consistent and do the things that you know are going to gain you the yards down the line. Because like nobody can see in six months' time where you're going to be, but it doesn't mean you don't take the step. You just got to take the step. In six months' time, you've taken more than one step. You've taken a hell of a lot of steps. Um, if you stand still, you'll never move forward. So. Yeah, I know that's lame, but it's true. You know. Yeah, but it's it's the hard work. It's it's the consistency and the good work, and you know, doing the job right, but also the relationships that you you build. Yeah, and absolutely, and the relationship part of it yeah. is huge. It's yeah. our number one core value at Mackin. Relationships matter. It's our number one value. Whether it's a client, um, whether it's a staff member, whether it's a candidate looking for a job, relation, and we just hound the guys. And it's relationships. You build the relationship. You build the rapport because it gives the person that you're talking to, or dealing with, or looking for a potential a position for, that sense of comfort that they actually care. And we do care. I mean, that's it's not just something that we make up. And I, my core belief in life has always been: never treat anybody the way you wouldn't like to be treated yourself. But it's amazing how many people get that wrong. Mm. I think that the hardest thing is at the start for for entrepreneurs that would listen to our podcast and stuff. It seems really hard at the start because it is those relationships that kind of give you that kind of stable business and more business from that. But it's very hard to have those good relationships day one, unless it's from a previous role. So they kind of, it kind of, you have to put up with a bit of hardship at the start and a bit of slowness. And then yeah. if you do the good work and you, you know you don't leave any crumbs behind, it will come. But those first six months, first year 
are tough, you know, but it's almost once I find anyway, in my, in my case, once you can get by that and do good work, the work will come in and you don't have to go look, ask them for it as much, you know? No, no, I agree. And, and probably even, I mean, I, I was very fortunate in that I came from a defense force background where I was really used to dealing with teams and getting on with people and, I think I said it on Gary's podcast when we did that show, like when I went to England on a soccer trial when I was 17, obviously that didn't work out and I ended up just staying over and working, or I was 18, sorry, I ended up working there for almost a year in the hotel industry. Um, and you just get to read people and understand people and know which battles you're going to win and which battles you're not going to win and when to poke somebody the right way or when not to poke somebody because you know that he's going to get a bad reaction. And I never really seen any value in that until I went to business and then until I went to the Navy because it honed the skill even more. But again, it just goes back to dealing with people, Mark, and, and understanding the relationships and you know, just you have to find your way around. But the first year or two is always tough. I mean, because you're, you're building new relationships in, from mm-hmm. scratch. So, um, but yeah, you do have to put in the hard work. It must have been exciting a little bit though to do something completely different than the, the Navy stuff after a couple of decades there. Like it's kind of like scared the hell out of me to really, <laughs> yeah, because I was leaving my comfort zone as well. Yeah. I mean, and we're like humans by human, like we're habitual, we do things like that we like to do. Like, we come home for an evening, we, may, we eat our dinner, we sit down, we watch TV, watch like it's nearly like a routine, even though you tell yourself it isn't a routine. So, I mean, it is, but leaving something that I was doing for 21 years, going to see, leaving my family behind, um, to come back yeah. and be here all the time, although my wife would probably argue that point, um. It, it, it was completely different, you know, but I mean, it, it was, look, it, it scared the crap out of me in loads of ways, but it was really exciting as well. It was just a completely new adventure. That's the, I think adventure is a great word as well. We talk about that a lot in the podcast mm-hmm. as well. If you've got, if you're on, as long as you're on the, the, your, your own hero's journey, whether it's, whether it's doing something, it doesn't have to be even a really big thing, but as long as it's uh like, it seems like an adventure to you. That's what, I, when we talk to people on the podcast, it's almost exclusively, exclusively uh, people that have picked, some destination that they're going towards and they're excited mm-hmm. about it whether that's like, we've had the ceo of like uh, charities on uh and their vision is different than some of the um, property developers that they we've had on you know it's a completely different thing but mm-hmm. the the energy and the kind of passion is the same which is really interesting as well uh, well if you don't have that i think that that, that you're just going to aimlessly go around in circles uh, i think arnold schwarzenegger said in one of his, one of his speeches at the colleges it's like a captain of a of a ship or a pilot in a, in a plane you don't know your destination, you're just going to drift around. Yeah. And I, I mean, I didn't really understand that when I started my business, but I mean, as I kind of read it more into that and look more and listen more into that, it kind of just, it's common sense, but it makes a lot of sense. Like you have to know where you're going or at least the direction you want to go. And there's always little things that will come in your way as you go, as you go, but moving forward, keep moving forward. Yeah. And so once the, once, once business gets going, like I said, that might've been the turning point when you got the kind of a little bit of consistent business, um, from the, from that contact, the, the, you mentioned as before we started the podcast that there was a, we're probably skipping it forward here, but I want people to get a, a feel for the, the kind of scale of the business and where you guys are now with the entrepreneur of the year mm-hmm. uh, through EY and all that type of stuff. Um, uh, kind of 2014 you mentioned that it, there's another part of the business that started that's mm-hmm. more focused on talent um and kind of in the same maybe not the the same sandbox as mark but in the kind of same area uh you know mm-hmm. finding uh the right fits for for companies how did that come about that's just uh what's the what's the story behind there i i, I was working on we were working on a, a, a across the sea to pond um 
project with the, with some of the guys in uh, in California um, with this particular company. Um, we were looking at a training platform to, to, so that operations guys could get their, their training kind of updates delivered by email and let them know that they had to submit the training in time. Because at that time, well, a lot of it was just keeping records and paper and spreadsheets, and it was just getting and as they were growing, it was getting a bit um, just getting a bit more difficult. Um, and yeah, I just I, I just got on with the two guys as manager really really well, and he. He, we were having a conversation over a cup of coffee one time, and he and he said, you know, I said, dealing with vendors is a pain. He said, how do you how do you deal with it yourself in your business? And I said, look, uh, Steve, it's like anything else. It's just like you 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 get some that you will have a great rapport with, and you get some that you just go in and, and as Mark said earlier on, it's just the relationship mightn't be as strong. You just go in and, and do good work, and they're happy for you to do good work, and not 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 really worried about building the relationship. And he goes, well, oh, it's interesting, yeah. He said, because one of the companies that I have that I'm dealing with, he said, I don't particularly really, really like. It's actually the company that looks after the two guys. Um, he said, did you ever think about doing that kind of stuff? And I said, like, what, project resourcing? And I said, no, no, never. And um, he said, would you be interested? And he goes, Jesus, look, I said, no. I said, look, it's, it's health, safety consultancy and training. That's what, we, that's what we're really good at. And he goes, look, I'll, I'll leave it with you. Have a think about it. He said, I don't have to make a decision straight away. But he said, I like working with you. The two guys love working with you. Um, just you know, have a think about it. So I went, I went home. I did it. That was just probably about two weeks before Christmas. And um, I said, do I really want to get into this? That's that's again, there's something that I'm not really that I don't know. What's the number? But I was going to think, it's two people. How can, how hard can it be? I'd be doing my favour. He's under a bit of pressure. Like, but um, and then um, unfortunately, one of my younger brothers passed away that year, okay. two days before Christmas. And I remember sitting in his house with my younger one of my younger brothers. Having a we were having a beer in his name, and I was getting, they were chatting away. And I was telling my brother, and I said, "Yes, uh, this is an opportunity here, and, and I'm not sure about it." And he goes, I, said, "I think I'd like to do it." And he goes, "Well, look," he said, "I think you should. You, you kind of know you want to do it, so do it." But I said, "If Wayne was here, he said he'd kick your arse if you didn't do it." So I said, "Yeah, I, I kind of do want to do it." So I rang him up and I said, "Look, yeah, Steve, we'll do it." So and and when I did it, Luke, literally, I didn't know what I was getting myself into. Like if I look, look at it now, what like what I know now, I go yeah. back and we go, oh crap! But it was two guys. We managed them probably for about a year and a half, maybe a year and three quarters. Then one more person came on through that guy who had referred me to another manager within the organization, and we managed three guys up until probably halfway through 2016, maybe 450, $500,000 revenue. Maybe sixty or seventy thousand profit, one invoice, maybe two invoices every month. It was very, very manageable. Um, and then through another multinational that I did a bit of work with back in Ireland, got it referred, um, and they were looking for an EHS person. So we did that for them. I said, look, this is not what we do, but look, we get on really well, and we look. I'm happy to help you out, solve the problem for you, take that pain off you. That was grand. And then she was having a cup of coffee with the uh, global facilities manager for Oculus AR VR. And just you know, we yeah, we're working with this really, really good guy, and he, he just helped us take on an EHS. He goes, I'm taking, I'm actually looking to take on three EHS people, and he goes, Well, I don't know if he wants to kind of get into that that big. Like he's going, look, send me on his details anyway. So he reached out, and before I knew it, like it was 2020, and we had like 120 people in seven or eight different locations wow. doing doing just which I think was around 14 or 15 million dollars. I was kind of. <laughs> Like, like where did that go? Like, sh- shout out to, to like, that just, Steve just over guy for the suggestion back in the day. <laughs> Steve, <laughs> Steve should be looking for a little, uh, a little dividend on that. I think that's a great. Uh, I've never, yeah, I but it, I've like, never like, met a, but it, 
uh, somebody who, um, who kind of got into a 15, you know, whatever million dollar business kind of not by accident, but kind of not reluctantly, but kind of like cautiously, you know, uh, it's really interesting. Well, I think it was just, I think it's just about like helping people as well. I mean, he, he didn't like the company he used. He, he had a bit of trust in me and, and we had built a good rapport together and he said, look, he said, I'd be delighted if you could you help me out. So again, I think I've done that most of my life, Luke, to be fair. I mean, if, if I can help somebody or give somebody a helping hand, it, it was done to me many times, mm. um, many a time. Um, so I think it's always and like it's always important to give that back if you can or help somebody out. Or you know, I would always make time for people, always. To my detriment sometimes, but I think it's important. Andy, uh, in those situations, those new situations that you come across, are you, are you yourself going all in and learning about it, figuring it out, or are you getting somebody in that's an expert? you know, and letting them lead it. Oh, yeah. In the early days, just figuring it out, Mark. Yeah, just mm. absolutely. Yeah, yeah, we can do that for you. Not something a problem. Crap, how do we do this? Mm. <laughs> yeah, it, it's like they have the unbelievable trust in you that you're going to you're gonna do the job because they've built that rapport with you and they've seen you work before and they've seen you produce the goods. Um, I, I know you were saying that like, you're pretty much around the, the finance realm. Well, like we started off, obviously, with EHS. But like within three years, we'd gone to data analysts, data scientists, uh, lab technicians, uh, 3D printer. It was just stuff that I, that I would never work in or never had any uh, experience of. But like you, you learn really, really quickly. And I, w- I was very fortunate. Uh, um, one of the health and safety projects that I worked with for one of those other multinationals, I'd love to be able to tell you names because we're all NDA'd out. Mm. So I, I can't. Um, but uh, she was she she moved on and we, we just kept on touch on LinkedIn and, and, and Facebook over the years. Um, and we're chatting away and she was saying, how are things going? I said, oh, things are going really well. I said, did you, you know, you should come work, me, work for me. And she goes, oh, I'd love to. And I said, and I said are you serious? And she goes, well, I don't, I, I'm working full time at the moment. Well, I'm, I'm doing about 30 hours. I said, I could do 10. And he goes, 10 will do. So, so it was just to have somebody in the US then that could deal, could deal with the, the, the day-to-day stuff, uh, the day-to-day stuff, like 10 hours a week. But I mean, and we weren't hectic at that stage, but then obviously in like 2017, 2018, it, we just doubled every year, year on year. Um, I, I think, I think 17 was, 17 was 5.6. I think 18 was 11.1. 19 was 14.1. And 20, like it was just over $17.1 million. Seventeen point one million dollars, and that's yeah, and that's say so. The majority we're talking about the majority of these hundred people in the U.S. Actually, is that the would that be the split? Um, yeah, well, we've we've got a hundred in the U.S. Well, we've got a hundred and sixteen in the U.S. now, but we're also now in Hong Kong, Shanghai. Uh, we just opened an office in Singapore there about six weeks ago. Wow! And uh, we actually just registered a new office in Cape Town in South Africa today. So you got the scoop on that one, guys. Wow! Um, you heard it here first. <laughs> <laughs> we've do- we've doubled the workforce since the start of the year in the UK. It's gone from like twenty to, to nearly four. It's over forty now, and Ireland has it, it will be doubled in the next. It'll be doubled since the start of the year next month, I would say. Um, so we're he- we're heading nearly at well, like one seventy five. One we'll be heading for one seventy five, one eighty, probably by August September. And this is during, uh, well, maybe not right now, but a pandemic. You know, like how how did that all affect you? The last we year we grew by twenty five percent last year. Yeah. On both on both sides of the business, but as a group, twenty five percent, probably I think it was about nine percent on the EHS, and the rest was on the on the talent side. Um, EHS was good for COVID, um, because it was all compliance and regulation and signage yeah. and doing things right. So it, it an, an ill will an ill wind as they say, um, and 
lucky enough, like some of the marquee clients that we have on the talent side of the business, as people were letting people go, they were mopping them up. Um, hence, the, there's a shortage now for a lot of those companies trying to get talent back that are now working somewhere else. Uh, yeah. I, I, I use the uh, the analogy of the, these companies where they had the, the surfboard waxed and they're on the water now waiting for the wave and everybody else is looking for the board. That's that's yeah. basically it. Um, but like when you have deep pockets, you can mm. you can do that. It's a, so, Mark, this is kind of a, a question for you then in the in the recruitment space. So, well, I've got Andy here. Uh, you know, as a, as a, as a I don't uh, judge anybody. Yeah. Sorry, <laughs> but like, don't be setting me up, Luke. Yeah, no, we've uh, <laughs> we we toss pretty soft balls around here, and the, uh, <laughs> with the it's not we're not journalists. Uh, but Mark, what, when I think about recruitment from the outside or talent solutions, whatever you want to call it, um, I always think when to go from four or five people, ten people to over a hundred people. Like what would like what would it have to, to what would have to happen for you to be able to do that? Would it be like would it need extra in, like investment or like is it what stops you from you know open something in Johannesburg or Cape Town? Me okay. here as you, in Darwin yeah. Hawkins. Yeah, Darwin Hawkins. Yeah, exactly. Like, what's the is it a kind of uh, worry of not going to have enough business to support those those people? Is that something that uh, Andy feels as well when? Andy, when you're hiring that many people in the in the states, what's how do you know? For what it's me, like? it would come down to the, the right people. Like it's very hard, in my opinion, to get really good recruiters. You know that do what I do. So I, we're probably overcautious. We could probably be. We're trying to build something that's you know a real solid kind of family boutique. Uh, we're, we almost give advice to you know our, our clients and candidates because we're all accountants actually. So my business model is a little bit different in that regard. I don't really know how I would scale mine out. I could probably scale it geographically. Yeah. Like we're, we're keep it as finance and then scale it. Maybe London. There's no reason. I, there's actually no reason other than I'm, I'm, you know, two years of business and we're just yeah. trying to execute well on what we're currently doing. So mm. hours in the day, to be honest, is, is probably the, the easiest answer to, uh, to your question for me. And so, Andy, in that case, like when you when you guys are uh, hiring that many people in the states, like, is, is there some sort of model that you're running with where you say, okay, we're going to have to need X amount of new clients per year to service this? I'm just interested in how how to how to make a uh, hundred new people work over for a few four years. Well, that, that's a little bit different, though. It's it's they're contractors, I assume. So they're 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 not actually part of the company. They're probably employees, technically, or whatever way it works. But like, how how many? Andy, how, how big is your is your how many consultants are are I'm not sure what you call them, but on the, inter- on the internal team we, we say yeah, that. I mean, yeah, yeah. they're all employees. So like every single person we have, they're they're on the Mac books, they they're under the Mac culture, the HR, PTO, all that kind of stuff. So, but on the internal team between globally, we probably have quick tally here about twenty four, and I reckon we're probably about three or four short of what we need to need to be at to sustain the level of business that we're, that we're getting. Like we're, we're in a really unique position now. I think having done a lot of slog work over the last probably six years where our clients are coming to us, which is great. Oh, that was a good place to be in. Um, yeah. I mean, like it's, I, I, I think as well, when you have a good team and I and Mark alluded to earlier, when you have a good team and you, you provide good service and you, and you do good work, the rapport that you have with people, they, they talk, they become your best ambassadors for your business and your brand, which is fantastic. There's nothing gives me more excitement or more joy than somebody telling me, oh, Luke was telling me all about you and we'd love to work with you. 
that's to me you now that's the ultimate yeah uh, it's I would say it's difficult to, to grow, you know, to scale while while keeping that, you know, because there's different people, you know, they might be absolutely they yeah. might be great at their job, but like they might do so you can't control yeah, you can't micromanage your whole team, you know. So, no, 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 no. I, I don't know half the guys in well. company are Mark no. I mean I used to know everybody by name. Mm. But I think when I got to around fifty five, probably sixty people and I came back from America and then we went over my next trip and we had hired another ten or fifteen people, I I, I didn't know any of them. Mm. So they were, they were, they were like, it was like Mr. Mackin. Whereas the previous 55 or 60 was, I was Andy because we used to go for Christmas for a burger and a beer or we take them yeah. on a Paddy's Day or whatever, or whatever the trips coincided. Um, but then it just becomes like, obviously, and uh, the fact that I was down, I knew everybody's name, which means I was down in the weeds and not looking strategically at the business. So you have to make choices then as the business grows. If you want to scale it even further and grow, grow even further, you have just- to start looking strategically at them. And just on the, on the on the matter of scale again, like and ge- ge- geography. So, like Ireland, if you were to stay in Ireland, like how big could you possibly grow? Do you, do you feel that in order to build a big company, you know, in in maybe in your area, um, in your sector, do you think you have to go to America? Do you think you have to go global? Is Ireland um, too small? I, I I don't know. Like you look at look at CPL. I mean. Kelly yeah. Services, like there, they were like 100, 150, 200 million euro companies. Um, I, I think to get the scale, Mark, definitely, uh, you probably, you probably have to go to America, and you and you get the scale quicker because just the sh- the sheer size of the market. Uh, I mean, the Europe had like almost four hundred million people or even over at this stage. Um, so like you, you 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 snag one or two nice contracts with one or two nice companies. Um, and that like even just the market growth you could have within that market the darn the market share within that company itself the growth could be huge i mean mm-hmm. for what one particular client that we're dealing with at the moment and we've been working with them for the last 18 months they've just sent in a rec for like for 25 positions now 15 of those are direct hire and 10 would be contractor but that contractor could be i think it's probably about 1.4 1.5 million uh, revenue turnover and um, but that's that's a huge number on the on your bottom line at the or on the top line at the end of the at the end. Obviously, you've got to make make the numbers and make it work and make sure it's profitable. But you 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 land four or five of those. You're like your fifteen million this year is now twenty five million next year. The numbers are just ridiculous. You know what I mean? So the the better you get, the bigger opportunities that arise, the bigger scale you're going to have. Mm. And how how different is the culture in America versus what you're maybe Ireland like is it, is it a big difference are all the principles the same really you know oh yeah there's a lot of the principles the same but the culture is definitely different without mm-hmm. it though um, you, you, a lot of the time you can't sit down and have a conversation like this like we're having a little bit of banter and a bit of chat and, and then five minutes of, of business at the end it's like normally you're right yeah, we're here to talk about business boom 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 um, you go to the game tomorrow. Yeah, go to the game. Let's have a nice day. Good luck, and, and you're out the gap. It's maybe not as harsh as that, but you know what I mean. It's very, it is very business focused. Whereas Ireland, it's much more about getting to know the person, how is the kids, blah blah blah, and then you have that kind of ten or fifteen minutes chat about the business because you knew you were going to talk about business anyway. Um, but I would say in the US is definitely more, definitely more formal at the, at the start until you build those relationships, and it definitely gets a little bit more informal as you as you go on. Do you think being Irish is an advantage? Boom! Huge, okay. yeah, huge. It is. No, we have, and we haven't even tapped into that market yet. Um, but it, it is, yeah. Everybody, and 
and I say that with the, the best will in the world. Everybody wants a piece of Irishness. Like it's the um, my mother's grandfather's grandfather was Irish. Like we have someone, and I was over there five years ago. And um, you probably know the Murphys in Cork, are you? Know, <laughs> you know, it's and it can be as ridiculous as that. And then you guys that are staunch Irish in their family, they're maybe first, second, gen, third generation, and they're as Irish as the next guy. But it is huge. I do. I think it's over. It's over. Is it forty million or fifty million? Have some way, shape, or form connect. Connect. I think actually that that that, that time we were doing that, trying to get the, the tribe to come home. I think yeah. said if everybody came home, we'd be snookers. About fifty million yeah. Irish people <laughs> uh, would be descending on Ireland. We can hardly yeah. we can hardly manage the almost five million we have at the moment. But um, yeah, so like you, you even tap into that market, Mark. I mean, uh, it's huge. And there is Irish guy. I mean, you look at your LinkedIn profile, your connections. There's Irish guys at board level and manage, uh, C-suite managed positions all across a lot of the huge organizations, but also the mid-sized companies. And the mid-sized companies in America could be anywhere from 150 to 500 people. Hey, that's still a nice gig in town if you can get it. Um, but we haven't really even tapped into that. Like, we, we were growing so quickly, again, which is a fantastic complaint with the existing clients that we had, that we hadn't even time to market the business. And we're still, our CMO is actually operations at the moment because that, she 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 got, she got herself out of it, and now because we got so busy in the last nine ten months, she's being pulled back into the weeds again. So we had literally had a conversation today about how the hell we're going to get her out of that, so she can actually get back to business development. But we actually at the moment don't need any business development. But it's like looking at we're looking at it down the road, not next week or the week after. And just just out of interest, what states do you do uh, most work in? Uh, so we've got we've we've offices in San Jose. In California, uh, Seattle and Redmond in Washington, Portland, Oregon, Austin, Texas, Hartford, Connecticut, we're in Rutherford, Raleigh, and Charlotte in North Carolina. Uh, and then we have people in Phoenix, New York, Florida. I think we're in about 18 states now at the moment. If somebody was, was, was um, not any particular sector, but if was looking to do business, expand into America, is there any, do you think, in your experience, is there anywhere you'd look at first? Because it's so big, people almost, they don't know where to start. Well, I think it depends on what sector. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I think it depends on what, what sector. I mean, um, I'm one of the, like, one of the founding members of the Irish Kinetic Business Council, the little um, group we set up last year, and it just basically came out of a bit of banter when we COVID hit, um, we we started break time banter in, in Mackin. So at 11 o'clock, we got everybody who could log in, no matter where they were, um, for 15, 20 minutes for the, for the coffee break. And it was you weren't allowed to talk about business. It was just purely for a bit of banter, a bit of crack, what, what you did last night, you watched the match, whatever. Um, and some guy in Connecticut who had been following our CEO on Instagram said, Jesus, I said, what's, he said, what's this break time banter about? And she introduced us. And he goes, would you be interested in doing that with, with, with me and a couple of guys from Connecticut? And I said, shit, it's a bit of, bit of banter. So we now meet on a Wednesday at um, 10 o'clock their time, three o'clock our time for, for 30 minutes. Um, and there's something like 400 members now um, set up the new website we're just changing a lot of stuff now but people are using it as a platform now to go to America so just what my point was where I was going with that was like the northeast of America would be primarily pharma uh, intertech um, manufacturing so if you're in that space New England that whole kind of Massachusetts New York Philly that, Vermont that whole area there um, is a is a great landing page. So the guys in Connecticut now are looking for Irish companies who want to go to the US. Why don't you come to Connecticut first? We'll give you a home here. That's your footprint in, help you get set up, and then the war is your oyster. 
Amazing. Um, like, and we're trying to do the same then going back, like any any companies coming to Ireland. Actually, Conor Lamoron from uh, formerly the, the business show, Sunday Business Show, is another founding member of, of that of the group. So it's fantastic. He's a friend so, of the Shark Pod um, as well. We had Conor on there a while ago. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's, a, he's a lovely guy. Yeah. Lovely, lovely guy. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, it's just kind of like our bit to try and stimulate a bit of business as well but yeah. obviously if we can help people out and give them a helping hand on the other side when they get there because America's huge and back to your point Mark like it's a huge market like, but um, if you can get a helping hand and somebody can help you out and say look you need to go and talk to this guy you need to talk that's that's fantastic it just like it makes that um, whole transition a lot, an awful lot easier and there's something attractive about that kind of North England or North England, New England and kind of New York area because it's, it's so close to get to really like it's not like it's an overnight it's five flight. hours yeah. you know what i mean like Grand. i mean if i go if i go from cork to belfast it's like three and a half so i'm not around half i'm in new york yeah um yeah and i think it, it, that whole region as well is very similar in lots of ways to ireland it's a lot greener and um, there's an awful lot more irishness there in in terms of the i see the cohort of, of irish people in the u.s and um, so you're always made very very welcome there when you go so yeah it, it's lovely spot and andy i walked around boston before and i was like everyone looks like my cousin here this is really weird there's a lot of freckles going on i'm like what's going on like it was very uh you could you definitely feel there and you get tater yeah, i see a lot of redheads in boston yeah. that's yeah. for sure yeah yeah and the accent is fantastic um but yeah cool so like so i guess like we usually say at this stage like what's next for the business or what's the the plan but i guess it's just keep on keeping on things are going so well or what's the are you guys yeah well, we have we obviously we have a strategic vision for the business and um, we were we like 70 75 million turnover by 2025 150 million by 2030 i want to float it on the new york stock exchange i want to i can see myself in the dock ringing the bell, ringing the bell. But, yeah I have, I have all that yeah nice. and then everything in between and um, like i said we just opened in south africa we're probably open another another office in the US later on this year in Colorado um, and probably Sydney by the end of the year. Wow. Um, and that'll be it then. It, it'll be just for the next kind of year or two, then it'll be concentrating getting boots on the ground where we haven't got boots at the moment because of COVID, but thankfully things are starting to improve that way. Um, and then just, yeah, just drive it on. Andy, what what's a day in the life of Andy Mackin look like? Um, I, I get up at five. Um, I meditate for about 20, 25 minutes. I read for half an hour, something positive, inspirational or motivational, nothing else, no crap. I don't buy the newspapers. I don't listen to radio. I don't watch regular TV. Um, just there's enough negative stuff, stuff in the world without me worrying about it. So uh, just don't. Um, and I think when you can feed your brain with positive and inspirational stuff, it just kind of drives you on for the day. I go for my run then, anywhere between kind of three and a half and 5K. I come back, have my shower, breakfast, um, check my emails then for Singapore, Shanghai and Hong Kong and then hit the office around 10. I used to try and do a few, couple of meetings here before I go. Um, so, then, so you're yeah, still in the office, like physical office? You're not in, in not at home? No, yeah. My, our office is literally like 12 minutes from, from my house. So it's it's, it's great. And I, I thankfully, I was able to kind of sneak in there every now and then during COVID as well because we'd four at home all walking off the same broadband, which was a nightmare with video calls and Zoom calls falling off and dropping off. And it was just like people shouting in the background, you know, all the, the same stuff that everybody's gone through. Yeah. Um, so yeah, pretty much then my, my calendar is usually set for the day. <clears throat> I block out certain parts of it for project work and I then I would leave something open then for catch-ups or meetings, but like pretty much it'd be solid till about probably six, maybe quarter past six. Um, go home then, usually have a bit of dinner. I would log on to the US then, a couple of calls um, and probably finish maybe nine half nine ten o'clock depending then i'll meditate for half an hour or so before i go to bed and i'll try and be in bed no later than half 11 i'm trying to get better like but yeah that's kind of a sweet spot if i can get to bed by half 11 i'm, I'm good 
Wow. Jam packed though, Mark. What do you think? But it wasn't it wasn't <laughs> always that. It wasn't always like that. I've, I've definitely done work to get to that. But it's it's all part of the personal development as well. I just kind of change those little bits and little one degrees here and there that make a difference over over time back to the compound effect. And what do you what do you, like this is a, another question I never really asked anyone, but if so what happens when you you get there, you're ringing the bell, you're in the mm-hmm. New York Stock Exchange. Is it do you ring the bell and then go back to your um, you know, penthouse suite there overlooking the park, or do you go back to Cork? What's the what's the the? Oh, who knows? Yeah. Who knows? I, I have a lot of other bits and pieces in between now right. that, that 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 I've kind of just kind of sidelined. Um, yeah, love of soccer is one, so I I, I could see myself delving in somewhere. Nice. Um, just yeah. Um, but again, the the hotel business was was huge in my in my early career, and I always had a little bit of a soft spot for that. So who knows? I could have a hotel somewhere. You know? right. it's just, you just know, you never, and I'd love to I'd love to get to to a point whereby you can invest in the future of business in terms of young entrepreneurs who are looking for that little bit of help. That you could give them a bit of you know free consultancy and say, look, this is how I did it. It might be good for you. It might be no good for you, but take out of it what you can. And um, there's a few Bob, you know, like just. I think when you get to a stage, it, it should always be about helping others anyway. So absolutely. So Mark, we usually like we we, we I know we've got a kind of a, a deadline here to to hit. So we usually kind of finish off with our kind of lightning round, Andy, where we ask the, the entrepreneur, um, you know, <laughs> quick fire round, quick, quick fire round, <laughs> after quick fire answers. But Mark Baker, what would be the top three? I know we've been kind of mm. we've basically been answering. I actually have in my head. I have about. <laughs> A hundred questions I wanted, but that's just me. You can ask selfish. as many as you like, but as many as much time as you have, lads. And if you need me to come back, I'll come back. I I, I don't mind sharing. Honestly, I, I think this is probably one of the ones we'll definitely do a round two, for sure. Um, but okay, look, um, off the top of my head, so I don't have my sheet anymore. Here's a new one that I just thought of. What do you not do that a lot of people do that you know that make you so productive? I get up at five. You get up early, okay. Five is early. <laughs> I'm wor- I'm working towards four. If that helps. <laughs> Come on, Mark. Arnold Schwarzenegger Swartz- yeah. Swartz- here. Yeah, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Um, what did he sleep say? Sleep faster. That's sleep it. faster. That's what sleep he faster, would yeah. recommend. Yeah. Um. Okay. Is it who you know or is it what you know? I think it's a bit of both, but I think it's what you know gets you to where you get to make the people to meet the people that you need to know. Because they are they are subsequently the people that will refer you on at, at a later opportunity to help you grow the business. I think that makes complete sense. Yeah, I'd actually really agree with that. Um, how much money is enough money? Is it about the money? For look, for me, it's not. I mean, I never had money. I came from a very very humble uh, background. I was the eldest of eight. I left school at. 16 and after almost 17 never did my leaving cert got hung up about that for a long time um but subsequently you know were what was it 1983 or 82 when i did my intercert so the, the old intercert as it was called then left probably yeah i think i left 83 84 so why you go 84 and 84 all the way up i mean then i think i'd be where i would i didn't know where i was going mark so i mean it was never really about the money like we, we never came from money uh it's nice to have a bit of money and I, I certainly like to um to enjoy it more so like you know go on a nice holiday if i can with the family um, or take my wife out for a nice a nice meal just you know ordinary stuff I, I don't do it and i'm not i'm not in the mega rich yet so I, I can't say i have a yacht or a plane or anything but yeah. i mean 
it's yeah, it, it's 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 a commodity. It's nice to have it, absolutely. But I don't think it's, it's the end. I just love doing what I do. If if yeah. money is the byproduct of that, then happy days. Yeah, there's another one. It's not on my list. My laminate. I'll have to re redo it. But <laughs> I am interested. With somebody so driven, I'm quite driven myself. And I find it hard to relax and stuff like that. And I have my reasons that I want to do things. And again, it's 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 not money. Money will facilitate some of the things that I want to do, but of course. Mm. But what motivates you? Just doing good. Yeah. I mean, I think when we get to the pearly gates or wherever you're going on your journey, whatever that end point is, I was just like to think that people said he was a really, really good guy. He, he helped people. He give back. And yeah, he was just a nice guy to be around. I mean, I couldn't think of anything more horrifying than somebody saying, yeah, he was an arsehole. Excuse my French there, sorry. Yeah. Um, didn't like him. Horrible to people. I mean, there's plenty of those people. I, I just didn't yeah. ever want to be one of those. And I was never of the philosophy that you had to be an absolute barnick to have um, a good business. I think you can be, you can have a really successful business being a really nice guy. Yeah. I think that's yeah. a, a great one to to end on as well. I think like, it seems like you're really, really into the, the kind of the building as well. I don't. I know you. That wasn't the uh, your answer there for the what drives you and stuff. But it seems like you're building the business so quickly. You're not sitting on your laurels kind of at all. I <laughs> started this business like as a suggestion from somebody in 2014. You're like, okay, we're going to Cape Town. We're going to Singapore. I got to check my mails from Hong Kong. Do you know what I mean? So I think that yeah. uh, that seems to be driving you as well, which is great. And it's it's great as well that you're, you're thinking about giving back and hopefully helping those uh, young entrepreneurs and setting them up and uh, <laughs> through that group in America. There's a lot There's a lot on your plate there, uh, Andy. There is, but I, th- I think, I mean, look, there's 24 hours in the day. And I mean, <laughs> back to Mark's thing about Arnold Schwarzenegger, like the sleep faster, but it, there literally is like, we, we uh, we're wired we're wired in a way that it's very easy not to do stuff. And like, that's just the, this, like, don't deviate from the norm, protect the DNA, just do what you have to do. And like fight. So I'm constantly fighting the ego to say, actually, look, don't, what, what do you want to go for a run this morning for it's pitch dark? It's, no, get it and go for a run because I feel better when I come back and then I have my warm shower, then fill up my cold shower. I feel a million, a million bucks, get into my, have my breakfast and I'm hitting the, the, the ground fresh and, and ready for the day. So, yeah, I mean, we have so much. We have so much time. When I hear people saying, "Oh, I don't have the time," I'm just like, "What? Yeah. Really?" It's like, "Come on, yeah. Are you show me, show me your schedule now, yeah. or show me <laughs> what you've done for the last six hours, and I'll tell you like that where you're going to be in five years." Yes. I actually didn't believe somebody who said somebody said that recently or a couple of years back. Show me, your, show me your schedule, and I'll tell you where you'll be in five years. Um, and I said, "That's a lot of crack." Yeah, it's rubbish. Makes sense, though. Oh, but it, absolutely, I could tell you now if somebody showed me their schedule, and I said, "Yeah." If you're running a business yeah you're not going to be there in five years if you think you are doing that wow. okay last one for me for me andy is if you could advise anyone to learn one skill what would it be managing people as in dealing with people like empathy is huge understand listen actually probably one skill i would say is listen to your very point way back to start mark about listening to clients and understanding them people jump in all the time and never let people talk. And I think there's a there's a great skill in letting somebody talk and when they finish, not jumping straight away. Give them 15, 20, 25 seconds, just a little poetic pause and inevitably they will say something else. They will actually lead to a potential opportunity or lead to you helping them out in some way or, or whatever. People like to talk. And 
I, 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 I learned about that recently uh, in a kind of course I'm doing on personal development. But I remember at the time when I did my uh, interview in the embassy in the US for my business visa. And I remember the, the lady that was helping me process the whole thing. She said, look, if you answer the question, they're not going to talk. So don't feel that you have to fill the void because inevitably you'll say something <laughs> that, that will, will create another yeah. question. And you'll be going, all of a sudden you're going down a rabbit hole. Like, yeah. That can't be true. And I remember I had to check myself twice because the, the guy asked the question and I answered the drill question. And I said, God, it's very quiet. Mm. Oh my God. Um, well, I just said, well, maybe I'll tell and I was like, stop talking. <laughs> so it's a natural habit for people to want to fill the void. Yeah. So Especially if it's Irish not people. you, if it's not you, <laughs> yeah, it is Irish people. But I mean, if it's not you, the client will. And then never be the, it'll just bring you to another conversation. Say, well, so how, is there something we can help you with that? Mm. Or is that something that you, you've thought about? Or where do you see that happening? It's, it just creates opportunities. Mm. Uh, but listening to people and then listening potentially to somebody who's looking for a bit of help or a bit of assistance that, that isn't very forthcoming in, in telling you that there could be somebody in your business struggling mm. with a bit of pressure or whatever. The workload is too much that you might necessarily necessarily see that, that it, is, it is getting to them. So I think, yeah, listening, Mark, it's a great skill that we really, really should learn to get better and better at. Yeah, and I think it's great because it is something you can actually learn to do. It it's is. Now, you yeah, mentioned empathy at the start. It's very hard to make someone more, you know, have more empathy. Empathetic, but, yeah. Yeah, but you can you can definitely learn to listen and learn from what listening gives you, you know. But I think then that when you when you when you hone in on that skill, you become automatically more empathetic. Exactly. Because yeah, yeah, you're yeah. listening and you're understanding more and you're becoming more self-aware of, of what's being said to you. Yeah, very good. Absolutely. And so, Andy, very important question. Which would you prefer? A Sharkpod t-shirt looks like this or a, uh, a Sharkpod mug as a gift? I would have a Sharkpod t-shirt. Perfect. We will set that up. Because I've got loads of mugs. <laughs> we'll set that up and we'll send that out to you as soon as we can. Thank you very much for joining us here today on the Sharkpod. Been a really, really interesting one. I know Mark will love this one as well because he's in the same space as, as this as well. So maybe he's taking a little bit of inspiration from this. Um, would love to uh, stay in touch and you know support you on your journey to ringing that bell. And I uh, wish you all your best of luck. Absolutely, guys. It was an absolute pleasure. And anytime, just give me a shout. I'd be happy to jump on. Okay. Perfect. Thanks, Andy. Thanks, Andy. Bye. The recording. <laughs>